am Becky Harmon, author and worker bee here at the Bella Books Warehouse in Tallahassee, Florida. Bella Books is proud to be the largest lesbian-owned press devoted to the publication of books written for, by, and about women-loving women. Welcome to our What's New at Bella podcast. With me today is Bella Books author Lena Villeneuve. Lena lives in Southern California with her wife and three kids. Her first book, Take Only Pictures, was published in 2014. This month, August 2020, her sixth book, Cowgirl 101, will release. So you have three kids? Luke is the oldest. He'll be 13 next week. And then, and you have then twins. the twins are 10. And we are all on top of each other all day long. And this whole, the hardest part is that they can't just run out and socialize with the kids in the neighborhood. So tell us how you met Louisa. So when I was at Citrus, my relationship tanked, and one of the ladies that I was working with, she's in my division, but she's journalism, I'm English, and um, she said, you're on the same track as I am. Like, I got divorced, and then I met Pierre, and, you know, happily ever after. And then she said, you would really like Pierre's sister. And she lives in Tennessee, so I'm like, really not a great setup, California to Tennessee. But she had this dinner party the day after Christmas, and Louise was in town, visiting and she said come for the after Christmas dinner it's not a setup I asked our friend to come and this other lady to come and so it's just going to be a bunch of adults having dinner together and I walked in the room and I just knew I looked at this woman and I was like I just done and when we shook hands that was it for me I can't it is such a weird thing to try to describe anyway (laughs) Teresa had said she has this crazy black standard poodle. And it's like, okay, you're setting me up, but now you're telling me that she has, like, this crazy, scary, energetic dog. So we had that dog. She moved out here when we did our U-Haul date. It was cheaper to Penske, so I don't don't know if you need to know (laughs) that detail. We went with the cheaper route. And... Moved her out to California, and we had that dog. I think Luke was about two, so he remembers the big black dog. So that dog, I think that she knew how crazy our life was going to be with twins because Louise was out to here pregnant, and she just, in the span of a week, stopped eating, stopped drinking. And the day after she died, Louise went into labor. Wow. And we had the twins. So we went from having one boy and a big black standard poodle to having the boy and boy girl twins and then you got another dog piper louisa found him on craigslist i think and i went out with luke and picked him up and he just has been perfect for our family and then everybody started talking about one dog and three kids doesn't work so we need another dog and i was i have enough crazy in my life and i'm trying to write and i I juggle a lot of things so i thought another dog was a terrible idea and and Louisa went on pooch match and found this other little white dog and he was adorable and she said let's just go meet him and I think we had to drive 40 minutes and then when we got there they had shaved him down so he looked like a little rat little rat dog <laughs> when I was underdeveloped so it was very I don't, maybe they did that so it's like this is what you're getting yourself into it's not it's not easy to have a dog with one eye that needs a lot of care and the kids voted and people say you don't let the kids vote <laughs> and give them equal weight 
so we ended up bringing Bandit home, and they are great together, and he's wonderful for our family. So three kids, two dogs, the two of us, a flock of peacocks, some wild parrots. We basically live in a jungle. Oh, those peacocks. I should have had you call me around six so that you could hear them going to bed for the night. So they they belong to a neighbor that that brought they, them in there, or are do they? Do you know about Rubel Castle? No. There's a castle in California that a man built, and it's crazy, intricate, big. Anyway, he has peacocks too, and one of the males came over to this neighborhood because it's a couple miles away. The people who sold us this house thought he looked lonely. And so they bought a female. And that was in about 2000. And now we can have 40 to 50 birds in this neighborhood. And everybody thinks that they're wonderful. And I could tell you, actually, I won't tell you the stories because I am going to write a peacock-driven book. I am going to turn all these awful experiences we have had, they are going to make a really good book. So I will profit off it, literally. And when people come to feed the peacocks, I'll have my book out there yeah. someday. And it'll have a beautiful peacock on the cover. And they'll be like, oh, it must be the history of the peacocks in Glendora. And I'll sell them for 20 bucks a pop. And I will make so much money. And then they'll go home and they'll be like, I don't understand why there's so much about these ladies. <laughs> and I will have my sweet revenge. I love it. I love it. So we've talked about kids, dogs, and peacocks. What about those horses you write about? I sometimes think about having horse. I used to babysit for a lady. I traded, she kept my horse in her barn and I babysat for her. And that was a really sweet arrangement for a long time. The two of us would ride together. And sometimes I think, what if I had a property like that where my horse was just right there, but where would I have the time to get out there just the care alone but then where do you carve out the time to go for a ride yep and even at red's meadow we made it back there and uh, we went to where i used to work and got it's funny i was talking to um blaine cooper and she said wow what you did this weekend sounds a lot like the stuff in your book i never realized that that was something that you actually did but we went up, and when I was there, there were like 120 heads, maybe, and we ran huge trips, and now there are about 20 animals. It's only the hourly rides, and people just don't do that anymore, so he can't keep wow. a huge a huge amount of animals and run the way that we used to. Still, he has, he has figured out a way to keep the pack station going even though it's not a pack outfit anymore but we had some fun we ate some dust okay so is there anything about your backlist that that you'd like to talk about and I will pick you know what my favorite is it'll always be take only pictures but I also now like the new one cowgirl 101 so do you have a favorite or do you have anything that you'd like to say about any of your backlist before we start talking about Cowgirl 101? I get your draw to the backcountry. All this talk that we have of how different things are. Yeah. Being able to go back to that setting is not just a physical thing now. It's also a time thing. And so I'm very much 
I love to go and visit those places when I peek back at those books. But the characters that I go back to again and again is um, the second one. Really? Uh, and that's the right yeah, thing easy. the right thing easy. The conflict between them was so much more true and logical that for Hope to struggle with, if I make this decision to be honest about my sexuality, I lose something. I met a woman at the Gay and Lesbian Center when I went to the chat there, and she was talking about how Mormon lesbians just can't ever be whole because if you live true to your sexuality, your spirituality is compromised. And if you live to your spirituality, you cannot satisfy what your heart longs for. And that there's just no balance that would work for right. So that kind of conflict to me, I think is more genuine than, than the first story that I wrote. And even though a lot of people say that her story is um, just too rosy, I I think that there are families out there who say, yeah, you can be the whole person and we'll still accept you. So I, that book is always very special to me. I liked that she never struggled with her attraction. She knew what she was feeling and she knew what she wanted. Yeah. And it's an interesting theme because Louisa and I brainstorm as we go and we never have anything set. And I remember trying to figure out, okay, these are two people who I'm working with and I don't know what the conflict is between them. And when I told her that Hope was Mormon, I remember her saying it was that Hope couldn't be Mormon, that there was no romance with a Mormon character. And that was like the worst idea that I had ever had. And I said, I'm sorry, but she told me that she's Mormon and we're going to get her through this and it's going to be okay. And that to me, that book is so strong in her journey to figuring out how she can have it all. That real conflict that, that in, um, it's such a deep part of her that is in conflict. So yeah. that's one of the things I like so much about it. And such happiness as this? And such happiness as this. I remember, Louisa, there's that scene where Grace is at the birthday party and she thinks, I can't really, was it Thanksgiving? It's somebody's party. I can't remember off the top of my head. And um, they have Hope and Danny come from Quincy and that she can't be present because of what happened with her family. And Louisa was like, happened and I said I don't know something has to have happened but I was kind of hoping you knew <laughs> and <laughs> fill that in for me so there are things that in the writing happen and then we just have to figure out what the what led the character there so it, she's gotten me out of a lot of those what do you think it could be <laughs> So what about Return to Paradise? Return to Paradise. I was playing around with different kinds of storytelling and wanted to do the hero's journey, which starts with the main character being expelled from paradise. So why not do the literal town of paradise, which was near uh, where I went to school up in Quincy. So I was playing around with a lot of details that you see in a hero's journey, like the trials and tribulations and self-discovery, that kind of thing. But the thing that was most helpful or fun 
that came out of working with a different genre or kind of a structure, an implicit structure, was the animal helper. And that was Houdini. And he was a product of that decision to play with the hero's journey. And I loved him. He became such a great character. Okay. Anything, would we, we only missed one book there in talking about? We didn't talk about Cat's book. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about that one. Do you, that's up to you, though. I'll leave that up to you. What can I say about my sister's book? One of the things I love about writing is the conversations that I get to have. Return to Paradise, even. I had a colleague in the auto tech program that I would say, hey, I need Lacey to be thinking about this thing, and she's got to be doing something with her hands. What can you get me? And he and I, all before that, we would see each other at Senate meetings. He brought good cookies. That's what I knew about him. But we got to chit-chat about that. And when I was working on Right Thing Easy, my Mormon cousin and I, and even Cowgirl 101, there were conversations that I had. I had a lot of that material just in me. But I contacted some of my old writing friends, and and you wouldn't think that I would need something to talk to my sister about, but she did not want to talk about cancer. And that's hard. There are things that I wish I could have talked to her about that I can't. And my mom said, you know, you honored that she didn't want to talk about her sickness. So to be able to talk about, what do you think about this scene? And this is happening, and what's the song that you would be thinking about here? Or I, I want to do something with the band, and what song do you want to be practicing? Those became things that were so low pressure for the two of us to talk about. And then to give her that book, I just, we're, we're working on this story together, and that's, that's what is at the center, not the cancer. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about Cowgirl 101. Did you okay. pick your cover? Did you have an idea of what you wanted for the cover? Because it's pretty perfect. I did. Mostly the cover came to me in a, yeah, I can totally work with this, kind of. It would be great if there was a mule on the cover, but the pictures that you find of people on mules are not <laughs> sexy at all. <laughs> But I was okay with her being on a horse in the end and a buckskin, that'll do. And that she got a Zorro hat, that is such a big part of the story. We've, we've kind of talked around it already about Take Only Pictures and Cowgirl 101 both being backcountry pack. High Sierras. Yeah. Yeah, and that came from that Vegas... Uh, GCLS, where you said, I was promised more backcountry experiences. Where are they? And I had a ball being back in that setting. It was a really nice trip for me. Good. To revisit those places and the things that I did in my 20s. And I wrote a blog about how that what became central for their conflict is something that I still can't figure out why I did and how I lived through it. And with my grown-up parent brain, it just uh, makes no sense to me that somebody would ever make the decision that I did. So, so that's a true that's a true story. Wow. We won't touch on it so that we don't do any spoiler 
but that's right. That's amazing. And stupid. So stupid. <laughs> but you lived, thankfully. I did. And the mules, you know. Oh, wow. I can't. The the perspective that I have right now uh, cannot see why I would have made that decision. But again, that that true conflict became a great push apart for the characters. And it worked really nicely into the story. But it was not fun to revisit at all. And there's a great dog in the book, which which mm-hmm. always makes me happy. And there were some great puppies that I worked with uh, when I was in the backcountry. And I I was the person, because I spent most of my time at the corrals doing the hourly ride, so I was the person that if people were going to Yosemite, they would say, can I leave my dog with you? And one of my friends left his, it was a some kind of pointer, pretty high-strung dog, and he fell asleep with his head in a pan of glue and had to be taken to the vet to, yeah, I, I still feel kind of bad about that. And I had a ride to go on and said, can I leave Junior here? And everybody was like, what could go wrong? How does that come back after 20 plus years? <laughs> when we were there a couple weeks ago, I was telling stories with the my boss's son is now the boss man there. And I was doing the, remember when we were in the backcountry <laughs> and I was, I was getting my cup of hot cocoa and we had a long ride in front of us and you came up and you said, here, and you put five almost cooked sausages in my hand. And I said, I'm a vegetarian. And you said, well, if you're hungry enough, that's your meal today. Get on your horse. Oh, and he man. said, I didn't say that to you. And I said, I remember. And I had a really good journal. Back, I went through my journal and had good details that I could pull out. Some of the language, Kath wanted me to put in more more cowboy language. And so I was looking through and trying to find some of those expressions that my friends used. And ultimately, didn't find very many in my journal and had to reach out to some of my friends. What would you say if you were really frustrated? <laughs> And you're not really cursing. So those are really fun conversations to have. And I learned some very interesting cursing techniques. Wow. So it's nice to hear that those two specifically, and even Return to Paradise, and maybe maybe all of them are all little towns that you actually... Yeah, Return to Paradise and Right Thing Easy. I went to that college and spent two years in Quincy. So you mentioned earlier about what you were working on now, but I don't think you went into specifics. Did you? I, um, I can't remember that So you this did. is the book that was finished years ago. Right. And it has a title now, The Cure for Insomnia. And it's it's gone from like 78,000 words down to 58, and now I think I'm up to 63 and uh, working on some of the relationship scenes, which are really fun. And I'm really happy with how it's shaping up, but it's all science. So it's hard for me. I'm in that position again of, okay, I see this scene happening, but I don't know what she's doing. And I don't know what she's working on and what <laughs> what would make this complicated. Or right. So I rely Louisa's m- memory of working in, in a research lab quite a bit. That's cool. And so She's not very interruptible when she's in her planning for classes mode. So I had to do brackets of she's doing something sciencey here, and 
ask her to come and put something in for me. And <laughs> like they're talking about at one point they're um, at a meetup with scientists and I wanted them to be saying something sciencey and one of them has published a paper and the other one hasn't. And she gave me this title that's just ridiculous. I was reading through it and I read it aloud and she said, what does that even mean? I said, you wrote it. I don't know what it means. It's just all these science words together that sounds really good. So that's been <laughs> very different for me to have so much of her world in this book. So we decided um, to focus on diabetes. And I keep on saying, hey, who wouldn't want to read about diabetes? Diabetes is sexy, right? And we've had to kind of ease back on the... <laughs> There is some, am I talking too much about my work? No, no, no. I'm not really listening to you. Just an intelligent woman is sexy. So keep on saying all these things that you're saying in your lab coat. Yep. And I'm very happy to just listen. I love that. That part of it has made for more of a collaborative project with Louisa. Some of the books are just Cowgirl 101. She would read and make suggestions about where to add detail and description and all those things that I'm not good at, but I had already plotted it out and I didn't have any scenes where I said, this thing is happening and what should we do? So this one, I, I'm much more at her mercy to say, I'm kind of stuck and do you have some free time that <laughs> we can work on the story together? So we've been brainstorming again and that I've said a lot of times that my writing keeps me sane and to have something not teacher and not parent related that we're both interested in so that it is a different conversation for us to have when we pretend we're on a date on the front porch. The one last thing I will ask you is how can folks reach out to you? Facebook and Gmail. I don't do any of the other things. Facebook takes up enough of my time and mental energy that I do not visit anything else. So Leave me a message there, or Gmail. Facebook is Lena Vilnev, and then my Gmail is lenavilnev at gmail.com. I love hearing people when they reach out and write to me little things that struck them. So, yeah, I just rewrote that blurb on the author info on Bella that I live on. I consume words, and uh, words feed me, too. So feedback is nice. Cool. I like Quickens with my heart I don't want to drive slow So that's it for us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll share it with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be the first to know who I'm chatting with. You can share your likes and dislikes of this podcast by reaching out to Becky at bellabooks.com. We are rushing forward. I'll take you. I'll take you anywhere. Bella Books is proud to provide books where the woman always wins and the story lingers in our minds long after the last words. Becky 
special thanks to singer-songwriter and Bella Books author Jamie Anderson for the use of her song Drive All Night during this podcast. You can find out more information about Jamie, including a link to her YouTube channel at jamieanderson.com. All night. Drive.